Hello, 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 and welcome to the very first episode of The Documentary Life, a podcast in many ways about living your dreams, more specifically, your filmmaking or documentary dreams. I'm the host of the show. My name is Chris G. Parkhurst. Chris is the truncated version of Christopher. The G stands for Gregory, my father's name, also my middle name. Parkhurst is my last name. Some people like to shorten it and call me Parky. It's a good nickname. You can call me that if you'd like. Regardless of whatever you call me, I am your host, and I am here for you, in hopes that you can soon be leading, if you're not already, a documentary life. A little bit about who I am before we actually get into the show. I am a husband of one, a father of two. In fact, my wife Steph and I, we had our second child, a little baby girl, five weeks ago. Uh, We are based out of here in Portland, Oregon, the U.S. I say um, based out of because we we don't only work here in Portland. In fact, a lot of our work tends to take us uh, overseas, whether it's the documentary or commercial work. We work in countries like Cambodia, Nepal. We work in China. We work throughout Europe, especially the U.K., where my wife is from. And, of course, here a lot domestically. And domestically can mean anywhere in the U.S., whether it's New York, L.A., San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. And I should say right now, by no means are we exclusive to uh, bigger name cities or what might be typically uh, filmmaking communities. We've worked in Boise, Idaho, Medford, Oregon, Rochester, New York, Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, Lander, Wyoming, just to name a few. Stories are everywhere, right? Some of the best stories that I've ever heard were from places that until that story I'd never heard of before. So we've worked in a number of different communities and many cultures from around the world. And uh, honestly, that is a big part of our life and our lifestyle and uh, something that we are extremely thankful for and really is a critical and important part of what it is for us to lead our own documentary lives. In terms of professional background, I've been working in film and TV off and on since 2004, though it wasn't steady until about 2006. I'll get into that a little bit more later on. I've worked on a number of documentaries around the world, including films like Bomb Hunters, which introduced me to Cambodia and was the first feature documentary that I ever was a part of, or my directorial debut a few years later on called Journey to Kathmandu, which was shot exclusively in Nepal, or our current feature documentary project, Elvis of Cambodia, which I'm sure you can imagine where that was shot. I've worked in the commercial and TV film industry as well, including clients such as Nike, Intel, Adidas. I've done, I've done a bunch of reality television. I've worked on feature films. You might remember a film, uh, Twilight. Well, that was shot here in the Pacific Northwest, and that was very, very, very early on in my film career. In fact, I worked uh, as a locations assistant on that film. Um, I've done political spots, public service announcements, and of course worked in um, the all-encompassing corporate video. I've worked in a number of capacities. I've worked as a PA initially as a production assistant, a boom mic operator, a locations assistant, as I mentioned earlier, then on to being an editor and a camera operator, and now I operate pretty exclusively as a director DP. My wife, Steph, a British woman who I met while shooting a job in Malaysia, of all places, we run a video production company called Barong Films, which produces both commercial and documentary content with an emphasis on storytelling. And and we'll get into what Barong Films does um, either later on this episode or certainly in ensuing episodes. 
Now, at this point, you might be asking yourself, why is this, why is this guy doing this podcast? And, and, and in fact, who is the podcast for? Well, I'll tell you, and I can say in all honesty, and it's a big part of this, this podcast, in, in many ways, it's at the heart of it, and that's, I want you to live your documentary filmmaking dream life. And I know that sounds super new agey or maybe even cheesy, um, but it's the truth. I, I want to help people. I want to help you be able to get to um, a place where you are making a living doing what you love, doing what we all love to do, which is making movies. I, I always wanted to be a filmmaker myself, but for the longest time, I didn't know how to make a living doing it at all. In fact, I didn't know how um, to really even break into the industry. And so I'd like to help you be able to do that. Um, I'd like to help you avoid some of the anxiety, stress, and maybe even a bit of lack of confidence that you might experience that, that I myself endured a number of times over the years. And hopefully this will, in effect, uh, enable you to more quickly realize, realize your dream or your dreams. And again, I'll go into more detail on this a little bit later on as well. Who is the podcast for? This podcast is for anyone who is currently living a documentary life, but especially for those who soon will be. And I say soon instead of something like who aspire to be or want to be, because I truly believe that half the battle is about you believing, actually knowing that you will soon be living and leading a documentary life. And let's be honest, you wouldn't be here if you didn't already know that yourself. In fact, I was in the same boat that you were not so long ago, which leads me to the title of this podcast, What Exactly is a documentary life. I'll initially answer that by letting you know right now that my intent is not about telling you how you can make your entire living by making documentary films. Probably 99.9% .9 of us will never make our entire living just doing exclusively documentary films. The fact of the matter is very few people that I have ever met or even read about are actually doing that. Even someone like Errol Morris... He's making, he's making commercials for Acura, Adidas, and, and a number of others to help supplement his income. I don't believe that documentaries are his sole source of income. A documentary life, that term, as part of the title of the podcast, for me and for us, it should be more of an attitude, an approach to, in many ways, this idea of living one's dreams or living the dream. And in this instance, the dream is most likely making documentary films. Now, there are a myriad of ways of doing this and a myriad of people doing it these different sorts of ways. This podcast, The Documentary Life, will explore these different ways, different formulas, different lifestyles, and the astounding number of people who are indeed leading and living documentary lives. I'll give you some examples. Um, you might be living the documentary life by working a nine-to-five nine-to-five job at, at an architecture firm or a local 7-Eleven, and then and then in your off hours or weekends, you're creating video content um, for your blog. Uh, you might be an owner of a successful corporate and commercial video business. My, my friend Bird McDonald does this with his company, Porter Panther. He has found ways to incorporate essentially his documentary approach to storytelling into his corporate and commercial work. Um, this is also akin to really how Steph and I operate Barong Films or how a company um, like Still Motion operates. 
You might even be like filmmakers Moira Demos and Laura Ricciardi. If you don't know their names, these are, these are, this is a couple who spent nearly a decade filming over 700 hours of footage going back and forth between Manitowoc County, Wisconsin, and their lives in New York City. Is this ringing any bells? It should be. They were the creators of what would ultimately become the Netflix documentary series Making a Murder. While they were filming, Ricciardi would would do hour, hourly legal work, and later she'd work as a PA for a couple of TV series while they were making their making a murderer. Or you might be like me, who at age 32 was slowly, slowly dying inside, knowing that I was entirely unhappy with what I was doing with my life at that time, knowing that I was about as far from living a documentary life as one could possibly get who after years after desiring, years of anxiety, years of unhappiness, finally got a little break and started to see that there might just be hope for happiness after all. Believe me, believe me, folks, if you should need any living proof that one can live this seemingly ever-elusive documentary life, look no further than here, the dude sitting behind the mic talking to you right now. Who am I to be doing a podcast about living a documentary life? I'll answer that. First and foremost, I truly believe that I can help you by sharing some of my story. And I believe that some of my experiences will both inspire you as well as allow you to avoid some of the silly and unnecessary mistakes that I've made along the way. For example, remember when I said that I worked off and on since 2004? and that there was a nearly a two-year gap between film jobs? There's a good reason for that. Let me tell you about that. I-, I was working on the film Bomb Hunters in Cambodia. At the time, it was 2004. I was unhappy with my life, miserable with, with, with my day job, working as a valet supervisor here in Portland, Oregon. I was asked by a gentleman if I wanted to come essentially do sound on, uh, on a documentary film, his film, um, in Cambodia for the next six months. Totally unhappy with my life at the time. I said, absolutely, that sounds great. It took me all of three minutes to decide whether or not I was going to make that big change. I did. I went to Cambodia, spent six months filming the Cambodian people and their culture. I learned a part of the world I had never been introduced to before. I learned about documentary films. I fell in love with the genre of documentary films. Again, I spent six months there working on it. I was then hired to edit the film. So when we came back to the U.S., I dove into the editing for the next six to eight months. Nothing but but uh, continuing to work on Bomb Hunters. I was down in this tiny little basement working 12 to 14 hours a day, um, barely seeing the light of day, if you know, if ever at that point, working five, six days a week. And I had very little personal life happening outside at that time. My focus was entirely for at least a year on nothing but this particular film. It was only about two or three days after that film premiered that I started to spiral into a bit of a depression. And that would continue. I wasn't working. I wasn't able to make that next next sort of leap to the next job. At that time, I, I fell in, again, I fell in love with documentary filmmaking. I knew that I wanted to make my living working in films. I wanted nothing more than that. Unfortunately, I had spent so much time and so much energy and so much focus on nothing but this particular film at that time that I did nothing really to set myself up for any success afterwards. 
in essence, I wasn't leading a balanced life whatsoever. I had no balance to my life. The 100% focus was on nothing but, but this particular film. I never even gave myself a chance or opportunity to find the next film gig or job. I didn't allow that. I wasn't allowing for that in my life. This would result in me eventually, actually not that long after, having to go back to that dead-end job that I vowed that I would not go back to again. And it would be one and a half to two years before I would be able to start that dream of living my life, making movies again. Balance, you know, balance is key. You know, we hear that all the time in our lives. And so if you can avoid that sort of a pitfall, if you can be leading somewhat of a balanced life while you're working on your projects, it's going to go a long way um, in helping you not only with your with your next job and to continue working in the industry, but it's going to go a long way into giving you a sense of, um, of happiness. And, and, and who doesn't want that? I'll give you another quick practical tidbit of knowledge that you might not have known if you hadn't worked in the industry. Um, when I first got truly into the industry, when I started working steadily on a full-time basis, it was as a PA. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what a PA is, it's a production assistant. Um, it's that person. It's, it's sort of the entry-level position on a set. Um, to put it bluntly, it's the position where you're pretty much everyone's bitch. So if you're not giving coffee to the director, or if you're not making a run to the copier, or if you're not on set pulling out furniture and moving it around with the art department, well, then you're not being a PA and you're not doing your job. Anyhow, I learned, I learned pretty quickly about how film sets work when I jumped into the commercial and the film industry as a PA. And one of the first things that I realized, um, and really, more importantly, surprised me and gave me some perspective, was that, you know what? Not everyone who works in the industry is or even desires to be a director or filmmaker. Shock, shock, shocker. In fact, most aren't filmmakers, per se, at all. It's loaded with brilliant technicians doing brilliant things with lights and makeup and lav mics and, and call sheets. Um, but the truth of the matter is, uh, this is how people are making their living, doing these, these sorts of things. But they're not necessarily um, directors or filmmakers themselves. I mean, I realized that working as a PA, when, when I would start talking about my project at the time I was working on, on Journey to Kathmandu. And you can see that film if you go to journeytokathmandu.com. Um, it's, a, it's a film that uh, I shot myself, kind of a one-man band show. Um, really cut my teeth into doing things myself um, in Nepal. And at any rate, I, I was doing Journey to Kathmandu or uh, raising, I was fundraising at that time, and I'd taken a trip to Nepal to do some initial location sort of scouting and some filming and, and, and working as a PA in the industry. And I would talk about my film, and a lot of the people that I talked to were extremely supportive. They were happy to hear that I was doing this, but they themselves, that was not their thing. That was not their interest. That was not their, um, that was not their calling. They were working as a grip or as an electric or as a production coordinator. And that's what, that's what they did for a living. So that was something that I learned. I hope I didn't get too off track there. I do have a tendency to kind of go on and on at times. But that's the beauty of editing. So I'm sure I'll have said a hell of a lot more than you will ever even know by the time this podcast reaches your ears. What can you expect from this podcast? 
As we delve into more and more of these shows, it is my every intention to empower you with the stories, help give you the tools, and supply you with a more positive attitude to help you best live some of your documentary filmmaking dreams. Now, believe me, I do fully realize that that probably sounds like pretty lofty aspirations on my part. So how do I plan on doing this? I plan on having shows that will be split up into two different types. The first being interviews with industry people, and the second being shows where I talk about my film successes, but maybe even more importantly, my disasters. I have a growing list of industry people who work in both commercial and documentary that I'm eager to talk to, and I'm eager to kind of learn about their experiences and share all of that um, with you guys. Ultimately, I truly believe that in this way, we'll all be able to benefit sort of from this sharing of knowledge. Some topics that we'll be discussing in future episodes, uh, things like the importance of building a grassroots following to your film. Uh, We'll talk about crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, social media. We'll talk about things like what it means to film in developing countries, shooting films in less than ideal conditions and situations, and or living with a family when when you're overseas doing this sort of work. Um, We'll talk about how you can use your commercial work to essentially feed some of that, some of your documentary soul. These are just a few of the many topics that we will be discussing in ensuing episodes, and I'm super, super excited to share all of this with you. I am hopeful to have open and honest dialogue with you and other filmmakers the world round so that we can begin to build this community, this community of documentary filmmakers who want to live their passions in the best way possible. In essence, I really, truly believe and want us all to help one another lead successful and happy documentary lives. I want to thank you for listening to this very first episode. It's the beginning of hopefully a fruitful, super educational, and super fun journey that we're all about to to embark upon. And uh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. I am Chris G. Parkhurst, and this has been The Documentary Life. I look forward to our next episode and more of this journey as we help one another lead and live our own documentary lives. If you'd like to become a member of the Documentary Life community or to hear more of the Documentary Life podcasts or to read the official blog, please visit our website, thedocumentarylife.com. Music for this week's episode of The Documentary Life was graciously given to us by Ben Sound. They have a long list of both royalty-free and licensed music. For your music needs for any of your projects, check out bensound.com.